Podcast with me, Phil, and me, Paul. And on this week's show, along with the along with the news, as usual, we're going to be doing a big finish review. And uh, this time, it is a Sylvester McCoy story, and it's part of the Lost Stories um, series arc. And this one is Crime of the Century. But more of that later. Uh, but first, let's do the news. Uh, now, we, we really have been sort of struggling to get some news items together for this, really, haven't we? Yes. So some of them are pretty tenuous. <laughs> but um, the first thing that's, um, that's sort of arrived on the, on the news list whilst we've uh, sort of been off the air, um, which we posted on our Facebook group as well, actually, is uh, Series 10 of Doctor Who is to start filming in May, which we sort of kind of guessed anyway, didn't we? Yeah, to be honest. Um, but the interesting thing is, uh, at the time this article came out anyway, is that no new companion has yet to audition, which, no. is, which is strange. That is very strange. Um, I would have thought they had someone in mind by now. Yeah, I mean, t- to be honest, they might have somebody in mind and they're just trying to work out how to, whether they can do it or not. Maybe. Maybe it's just the fact they've even said we've you know we've got someone in mind or you know it just said yet to audition that's that's sort of sort of gives you sort of this well, this, then, this, this then illusion what of they don't, what they don't want to do is, is to give the impression that they're being turned down left right and centre by people <laughs> um, and that whoever the compa- whoever ends up being offered the job suddenly realises that they was eighth choice or something like that you know. <laughs> Well, so um, that may well be that the, why they're saying that is the fact that yeah. Well, I I turned it down, Paul. Yeah, I said it's the doctor or nothing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Besides, I, I'd, I'd say yeah, sorry. Actually, there wasn't the reason at all. I said sorry. I cannot leave the podcast. <laughs> no, no. You, you you said unless you, unless you can wear some of the '60s outfits because you look quite good in a mini skirt. You wasn't going <laughs> to do the companion role, were That's what I auditioned in, for God's sake. <laughs> Maybe it's because I didn't bother shaving my legs. I think maybe that might have something to do with it. Oh dear! No, it, it just sounds a bit, sort of, bit, a bit strange. Actually, you know, sort of, that no one's actually been or has auditioned. Maybe they're just trying to keep it a massive secret and putting yeah. people off the scent, which is probably. I suspect that's why, because if yeah. they if they say yes, they have, then it just starts a a question of of, of who is it, isn't it? So it's yeah, easy exactly. to say nobody, and then. Well, I, th- I think after we last recorded, I think there was uh, some sort of article um, that was it. Maisie Williams said that um, Idris Elba should be the new Doctor, uh, which I can't see him doing in a million years. But then again, I never expected Peter Capaldi or Chris Freckleston to have taken the role. I was going to say he's not going to get the break from filming Bond, though, is he? To do <laughs> well, yeah, you see, that's exactly. But then Maisie Williams said, um, you know, if he can't do it, she'd do it. Which immediately I just thought, no. <laughs> yeah. Just no, she hasn't impressed me, Maisie Williams. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really, I'm sorry. But oh dear. But uh, yeah, there's all the usual. I think was it Catherine Tate as was it now wants wants to be the Doctor as well. This is all. It's the usual silly season, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, right. Sort of. As, you know. as, as it is, whenever there's a job going or or appear to be a job going. Yeah. What was it the last time then before Capaldi got the role? Was it Catherine Zeta Jones and, and Billy Piper? 
were in the run. I mean, Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where people get these ideas from. I really don't. Oh, you're going to have to eat your. <laughs> yeah, when she, when, the, when she gets when announced. She, when she's announced next time. <laughs> For Series 11. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Well, if we get any more news on that, obviously we'll, we'll discuss that. Um, I was going to say, if we get anyway. any news on that. Any news, <laughs> absolutely any news at all, because this isn't news, really, is it? This, <laughs> this is all rumour and conjecture. <laughs> well, the news is I ruled myself out of the running. There you are. That's <laughs> it. That is the big news. <laughs> Now, um, obviously, one of the things that we we we, we do when when the news is a Doctor Who is on, is on air is all the stats and everything. Um, now, this isn't a return to stats by any stretch of the imagination. There's just a little bit of news about iPlayer, and it's the most loved shows on iPlayer. And uh, Doctor Who was coming at number four, so yes. um, yeah, which I, is um, no big surprise, really, is it? No, I'd have thought that was par for the course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, there, there's some things that I've, I've absolutely no idea what it is. Actually, no, number one was EastEnders. And number two is yeah, the, no idea. No, no <laughs> idea. No idea. Uh, number two is the next step. Yeah. I, do you know what that is? Uh, it charts the lives of a group of young dancers as they make their way through dance school. Never heard of it. No, um, no you just read it off the website, didn't you? I did, yeah. <laughs> it was in front of me. Come on. <laughs> uh, number three match of the day. Okay. Uh, that... Yeah. No, I don't know about that. No, 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 no. Uh, number three. I can understand why match of the day's lights on iPlayer because a lot of people then just go to iPlayer, find out when their team's bit is on there, and just fast forward to the hat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Rather than having bothered to watch it. Well, whereas for me, I just record it and fast forward straight through to the end. Yes. <laughs> Without watching any of the matches. Uh, so number, number five. Something I need to appear longingly at Alan Shearer. <laughs> well, now Alan Hansen's gone. Yeah. Uh, anyway, number five. <laughs> Don't care who it is as long as it's an Alan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Next week, Alan Ball. <laughs> Right, uh, number five, Strictly Come Dancing. Number six, Casualty. Number seven, The, the Great British Bake Off, which I thought would have been higher up, actually. Uh, the point is, I think that and stuff like that and Strictly mm. are tend to be programmes that people actually watch live, so to speak. Well, I know Great British Bake Off is. But like I said at the time, when Strictly was doing well in the ratings, yeah. it was mainly because it was one of those things where to... If you wanted to take part in the voting or whatever, you had to watch it. You have it to watch it live, yeah. There and then. Yeah. And I think that probably because everybody seemed to watch the Great British Bake Off when it was on, that nobody was left to watch it on iPlay. <laughs> well, to round off the, the, the list, actually, number eight, The Apprentice, number nine, Poldark, uh, number 10, Sherlock, uh, number 11, Council House Crackdown, and um, yeah. number 12, War and Peace. That's a series following investigators. They track down social housing tenancy cheats, reclaim homes, and give them to people in need. Oh, okay. Which I'd never heard of as a programme. No, me neither. And apparently it was in July last year. Was it on BBC One or two, three? Yes, it was. BBC One, was it? It was, yeah. That one passed me by, I'm afraid. It really did. Mind you, it's not the sort of programme I would actually settle down to watch, if I'm honest with you. No, well, by the looks of it, the last episode was episode five, which was on the Friday, the twenty fourth of July, twenty fifteen, at fifth, uh, quarter past nine in the morning. So it's probably <laughs> why I never settled down to watch it, <laughs> and probably why it was an iPlayer program. Obviously, but I've never heard anyone say, "Oh, I wish it was on later in the day." 
know. haven't they brought back? <laughs> Council House. House crackdown. Prime time viewing. Anyway, next on this. Top I actually t- thought that said Council House crackdown. Then <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It could be a spelling mistake. You don't know, but. Oh dear. Anyway, next on this Doctor Who podcast, <laughs> it's um they're talking of sort of you know where Doctor Who fits in with like you know ratings and 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 charts and everything. Um, this is quite interesting actually. The um Doctor Who series one, and we're talking the Christopher Eccleston um, series here. Yeah, it's been named as the most frequently bought drama in the entire forty his forty year history of BBC Worldwide's showcase event. Hmm. Which is, I, I find that's incredible, really. I think it's sort of, um, yeah, it just, it's the most purchased drama. Um, it's attracted 629 buyers from countries including Bahrain, Hong Kong, France and Chile. And it's, apparently Doctor was one of the first total screen to buyers at the very first showcase in 1976. So this isn't um, to do with DVD sales. This is actually selling the programme abroad to different to, countries, to different yeah. countries uh, for, for their yeah. to, to be broadcast on television. Um, and what's interesting, they buy series one, but obviously, so I wonder where series two is in the list. Well, the, the, this is what I find amazing actually, because I thought it only sort of really caught on across the globe um, from when Matt Smith took over, really. Yeah, because that that's well, well, I, I mean, think we certainly noticed it. It had become massive anyway globally. Yeah. I mean, I suspect it's it's this is obviously not just. At the time, this is as it's gone on through however many years. What we are now, what eleven years since since this first came out. So I suppose that that's what it is. And, and I suspect a lot of countries, when showing it, think to themselves, "Oh, where do we start? Oh, well, we start with series one, mm. and we'll buy that to see then if there's an audience now." You know, well, countries that haven't perhaps bought into the or have bought into it perhaps want to go back to series one. Well, I think that this is what it sort of says here. So the data is based on the number of times the title has been bought rather than the number of territories it was bought by. So obviously what you were saying there, they sort of bought it once and then gone back and sort of bought it again sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I find that I find that quite quite amazing, actually. I find that absolutely amazing. But it, it's good, though. It's good stuff, though, that, you know, after all these after all these years, um, people are still interested in, in Christopher Eccleston's time in, in the in the all the all these not say the countries but you know the other um sort of tv um broadcasters yeah. i should say i'm still interested in showing it which i think is a, is a is a really good thing it really is i'm just surprised it was the most frequently bought drama not just doctor who but the most frequently bought drama in the entire 40 year history i find that that's incredible and, and quite heartening as well i find yes yes indeed the most now, factual entertainment series is top gear series nine Hmm. What was it about Series 9? That was, that was factual. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm, okay, yeah. Well, I thought, I thought comedy we'll... programme keeping up appearances, which I'd have thought was an odd one to be an international hit. That's, hmm, maybe because Considering... it, it was so British. Yeah, really? I'm not sure. Would, would, would that sort of the, the whole snobbery class, snobbery thing... Well, I think that's how that most people view Britain. Actually, we yeah. we, we still got those. Or we have still got those toffee nosed twats yeah. in the country. But um, but, they, but she's not even toffee nosed. She's just come from a sort of council house sort of background and sort of uh, yeah. tries to distance herself from from her past. So hmm, I've made that sound a lot better than it really is. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's, that's our critique of today, actually. We're not going to bother reviewing anything Doctor Who. We're just going to leave that with keeping up appearances. <laughs> oh, God. I like the fact Strictly Come Dancing is high-end entertainment as well. But there you go. High-end entertainment. Okay, I think we'll just leave that one there then, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Okay, now... um. Talking of other sort of um, things being sort of reissued and, and, and purchased, actually, Target, um, or BBC Books, rather, I should say, uh, announced they're going to um, release seven of the original Doctor Who Target novelisations on uh, the 28th of April. And each uh, title is going to reflect each of the seven Doctors that were in the that were in the range. Obviously, the, the Target stopped at, at McCoy, obviously. Um, and they've picked some interesting titles here, haven't they? Yeah. Especially for the first Doctor, actually. So the, the first Doctor title is Doctor Who and the Zarbi, are by Bill Strutton. Um, then Doctor and the Web of Fear for the second Doctor by Terence Dix. Uh, for the third Doctor is Doctor and the Dinosaur Invasion by Malcolm Hulk, which is a good book, and we, yes, which we, we reviewed said, yes. on this very podcast. Yes, and I can understand why you'd want to yeah, yeah, release that. Indeed. Um, then for the fourth Doctor is uh, Doctor and the Genesis of the Daleks, also by Terence Dix. Again, another good... We haven't reviewed that one yet, but a, a, a good story never, nevertheless. Um, for the fifth Doctor, uh, Doctor Who, The Visitation by Eric Saywood. Did, have we covered that? We did cover that, didn't we? Um... It, they all go into a bit of a blur now. They do now, don't they? I thought of any we did. Yeah, I wanted to Could say we wrong. did, and then I suddenly thought, no, we didn't. So, hmm. Oh well, maybe, <laughs> maybe someone can remind us at home because we can't remember what we did yesterday. <laughs> maybe someone remind us in the home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually recording in a wicker bath chair with a great big ear trumpet. <laughs> Um, so for the sixth Doctor, it's Doctor Who Vengeance on Varus by Philip Martin. And then for the seventh Doctor, uh, one we definitely have covered, <laughs> is Battlefield by Mark yeah. Platt. Yes, and uh, all of the books uh, feature the the cover illustrations by Chris um, Achilleos, which is, well, you can't have, have a, um, a Target book without him doing the cover work, really. No. Yeah, so, it's, um, so basically it's all done in the old style. As well, so as as you remember from from your childhood, so which is which is great, absolutely great. So they, I'd like them to do a target version of the current stuff. I would actually, I would love to see that. Come on, BBC Books, make it happen. Come on, but yeah, I, I, that would be... <laughs> just because it may prolong this podcast. It would. <laughs> well, talking of prolonging the podcast, um, next up in the news um, now. I vaguely remember this being about. There's a Kickstarter project um, started to help recreate the Doctor Who pinball uh, table game um, in digital form. Now, this game was out in the 1990s in things called amusement arcades. Do you remember them? (laughs) I feel old now. Um, I vaguely remember this. If Tipping Point now can be a programme on ITV... Yes, which is which is basically shove penny shove. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then you don't need to feel old because you remember. No, exactly, like exactly. Um, yeah, basically, um, the project has raised over fifty six thousand dollars. It's enough to purchase the licenses to allow uh, a company called Farsight Studios to recreate this game for consoles and mobile devices. Which I'm quite interested in this actually. Um, 
Now, the campaign actually closed on Saturday the 10th of February, So, um, and there's full details on, on their on their um, Kickstarter page. They've actually got a, a picture here of the... Um, I don't know what you could call it the, the the pinball graphic, haven't they? It was sort of the end yeah. of, the, of the table. Um, the Fifth Doctor's got rather long hair, hasn't he? It? <laughs> it's amazing. He <laughs> has to get up early and blow dry that, doesn't he? I think he does, my God. Um, I know it was the 80s and everything, but bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was that... going to say, yeah, that, that, that was when he was, when he was touring with Wham! <laughs> And the sixth doctor's got just as big hair as Tom Baker in this in this, this uh, illustration as well. It's amazing, but they have managed to sort of tone down his jacket somewhat. Yes. It's all very red hued, isn't it? Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite interested. <laughs> It'd be session. too distracting, wouldn't it? You're trying to play pinball, and <laughs> out the corner of your eye, just in his jacket. Just, just see all, all too s- much. All seven of the then doctors in the red light district. It seems <laughs> yes. plying their wares in a window somewhere. It's crazy doctors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right, now, um, last of the news items. If, if those of you still playing um, Doctor uh, Legacy game on your um, mobile div- and, and uh, devices and iPads and whatever, um, they released um, an official Husbands of River song level, actually. And Because Husbands of River Ooh. song... Whoa. Director's cut. Now, I must admit, I haven't played this game for a long, long time now. I know they've still got its, its advocates out there. Um, they're apparently going to its third year now, which I, I didn't know. Um, it's got over 100 hours of playable content, which in my case was playing the same bloody level for 100 hours. Um, it's got um, over 2 million installs. Um, and it's played nearly um, by 2 million fans, which you would expect with 2 million installs, really. And apparently, oh, no. it could have been five hundred fans and one hundred five million. It could have people been people who just couldn't, who just found it as a, <laughs> something to pass the time. Well, apparently, this new level is in response for customer demand. Mm, okay, um, it includes uh, new costumes, new allies, new enemies, and new backgrounds to the game as well. Um, and apparently, it says um, it's going to the level's on sale now and at a reduced price of two ninety nine. So it's not free content. You've got to pay for this one. Yeah, but if you're a fan of the game, you're gonna you're gonna fork out, really, aren't you? So well, if if you asked for it, then <laughs> if you asked for it, if you asked for it, you're gonna get it. There yeah. you are. There you are. So um, that's it. That's it for. We've got to talk about that much too too much more because you've never played it. I haven't played it for a long time, so we've got absolutely no insight into this one whatsoever, have we? <laughs> no. Okay, everybody. Uh, that's it for the news. But we do have time for a quick whiz over to Omega's Tech Corner. You. Pester me with trinkets! Okay, now we've got one bit of um, of tap for you. Now, obviously, we know that Lego Doctor Who is is the big thing at the moment, especially with the um, the the Lego um, game for the consoles, which I've forgotten. Lego Dimensions, that's it. Um, now, I think there was the, sort of another toy. I certainly remember from my my childhood. Paul, I don't know about about you, but Playmobil. Now, was no. that something you ever you ever played with when no. you were a kid? Well. No. Um, Playmobil and Funko, um, who were the company who do those little um, massive carnival heads. No, they're not yeah. even carnival heads. They're just sort of weird little vinyl figures, like little squash yeah. dumpy, dumpy things. Well, they've um, joined up with Playmobil to uh, do some licensed figures. And the first wave of the six-inch uh, is it 200% figures. Now, this is, this is um, a, a great little line they've got. They've got... Um, as well as Doctor Who, the Doctor Who range, it's, it, so far it's um, got Matt Smith's Doctor and Tom Baker. 
Now, looking yeah. at the, the photos here, it does look pretty good, actually, to be honest. It, I wouldn't mind having them sitting on the shelf, mm. to be honest. They look, they look really pretty cool. But the other rain sort of like um, franchises they've gone into, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So you've got a little Playmobil uh, Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka and an Oompa Loompa. Uh, you've also got um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which again just passed me by when, you know years ago. Sherlock. Yeah. So you've got a little uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and a little Martin Freeman Playmobil figure. Um, and I think the one that will probably get most people excited is Back to the Future. So you've got Martin McFly and uh, Doc Brown. And I must admit, I when I scrolled well. down quickly and saw the Doc Brown, I thought they've got a Space 1999 figure. What do you think? It's Barry Morse. <laughs> <laughs> Just that sort of outfit did seem... And those colours. The... It did. It, I thought it was the um, the Christopher Lee one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it had that big, long, white wig on, didn't they? <laughs> oh, dear. Now, these... Um, no, I haven't got a, a price in sterling, but the figs retail for $14.99. Um, 99 cents and apparently will be available in stores of summer this year yeah so they do look I I, I quite like them I, I actually must admit I, I I think I would get the Doctor Who ones I'm quite over on the side of getting the Willy Wonka ones as well actually <laughs> it just looks really cool no they do look good I must they admit. do look good they look little fun like fun items but the, um, the, the, the the Tom Baker one though it's it just looks really great it does just look really great and the um and each Doctor Who figure's got each got a sonic screwdriver, and and <laughs> I would say they are screen accurate, aren't they? Yeah, they do look really good. I'm really, I think they're really, you know, look great fun these things. So, and the Sherlock ones look really cool as well, actually. So, um, so there you go. So that'll be coming out summer this year, um, and hopefully, but hopefully available in the UK, which would be, um, I'm assuming they would be, wouldn't they? Uh, I'd have thought so. I don't know what the. If there's a market, there'd be here. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, Playmobil stuff is still for sale um, in, in in the shops over here, so I'm hoping it, it will it will reach us. Yeah, um, there's a, a a show, a kids show on Saturday and Sunday mornings that I think my my two kids like to watch, and that that was based around Playmobil figures. Uh, was it called something four? Oh, I can't remember what it's called now, but um, but they like it anyway. It's all like you know little different zones in this like, magical world they live in, you know, and they all come yeah. together to form this little Super 4, I think it's called. That's it, Super 4. But, uh, yeah, so if we get any more news on, on, on sort of um, sort of an actual date, if there's any more going to come in, in the range of this on the second wave as well, then we'll, um, of course, we'll bring it to you um, on the podcast. Yes. Okay. Whew. We managed to stretch that one out okay, didn't we? We did, yes. <laughs> Okay, everybody, that's it for the news and that's it for Tat Corner. Uh, coming up next is our review of Crime of the Century from Big Finish. So, for another week, then, that was the news. Okay, everyone, it's time for another Big Finish review, and this time we've selected Crime of the Century. Lock manipulation is safe cracking in its purest form. No specialist tools are required, just a notebook, a pen, and the stethoscope I got from a nice medical student I once met at a party in Holland Park. First, we need to find out how many wheels there are in the wheel pack. Who told you how to do that? Someone my father knew. Excuse me, I know this is your job and I'm sure you know best, but don't you think you should start shooting at them? I would like to find these demons at the point of my blade. 
Those things down there are the Metatraxi. They are a proud alien warrior race with a strict code of conduct. Nasiko Maya. Warriors. We are warriors. Nasiko Maya. That artifact is a weapon. A high energy weapon. Nasiko Maya! You must leave this world immediately. The hair on the back of my neck stood up when you said that. Excellent! This could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Right, it's my turn to kick this one off, isn't it? It is. It is, right. Okay, now, um, just to give everybody, um, before we sort of crack on with this, there will be spoilers. So if you haven't listened to this particular story before, we will be more than likely going into a lot of um, detail um, of the plot. And that, that's really setting yeah. us up for a fall, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, this is more as a direct follow-up um, to the first in this um, series of called Lost Stories, uh, which was Thin Ice, which we reviewed some time ago, didn't we? Yes. Yes. Uh, it features uh, f- um, familiar characters um, or from that story. Marcus Creevy is played by Ricky Groves and Colonel Felnikov, uh, played by, I'm going to pronounce this, this actor's name right, John um, Albacini, I think that's how, or Albacini, however you want to pronounce it. Um and also the um, the baby that was born at the end of Thin Ice is now all grown up, and uh, the character's name is Rain Creevy, now played by Beth Chalmers. Okay, now I've got that out of the way. Now I have listened to this one previously, and um, I did sort of quite enjoy it. I've actually quite enjoyed most of the Lost Stories. When I listened to it again for the purpose of the, of the podcast, mm-hmm. I wasn't quite so impressed this time round, and I did sort of kind of find myself. Losing interest at certain points. Oh, right. And I think it was when the the Metatraxi turned up. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I really enjoyed this this story. Yeah. Up to they started messing around with the translator. Oh, God, that is probably the worst thing about this story, isn't it? And, and because it, it's quite a dark story. It is. Right the way through. And it gets ruined by that. There's a little bit of humour right at the beginning with the party guest being an idiot. Yeah. But then it gets quite dark and stays quite dark for a long way through until you get to there. And then in what should have been a quite a, a continuing dark bit, they just suddenly threw this in that just didn't need to be there. And yeah, you just sort of thought oh, that, that that's that that's ruined the tone quite a lot. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, just to put it into some sort of context for um for for everybody at home, the Metatraxi are like insectoid aliens, aren't they? Yeah. And I I I quite like the the bit where they you know when they sort of go into battle, they will use the same weapons as their enemy. Yes. I'd like that. So it's like a, it's like a, they're a warrior race, but they won't do it. They won't sort of fight with their any sort of superior alien technology. They'll go in on a level playing field. Yeah, and I, I, that was quite an interesting spin on things. I thought. Yeah, and and the, and the way the way it's worked out, and the way you find out that was quite well done as well. Yeah, with the fact that the obviously some of the Russian soldiers tend to carry their swords as ceremonial. Yes. Um, and, and to show their rank. Yes, indeed. But indeed. actually, one officer that, having run out of bullets, 
tried to fight them with his sword, and they actually, rather than just shooting him, fought back with a with similar sword. weapon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and wouldn't fire on him. Yeah, which I thought that that was an interesting, as I said, an interesting spin on on it. But which, then... which also then comes back to the plot point of what the Doctor's trying to do. Mm. Obviously, with with the sword and finding what is probably the greatest swordsman on earth. Yes. The fight, and it comes right at that point where he realizes that his plan's gone. It's gone south, south isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's gone south. He's caused someone's death directly, as mm-hmm. in the person's there at his request. And yeah, and then you get the the next bit is the translator bit. Yeah, um, which it oh, how can you describe it? It it didn't lighten oh, the mood as, as, as so much, just stamped on it. Yeah, I'm just trying to sort of try and figure out a way to sort of explain what what happened, but I, I can't really yeah. because um, it was just so stupid. Yeah, really. Um, basically, the, the doctor tries to sort of fix the this translator unit thing, and for some bizarre reason, it makes the Metatraxy speak like stoner, um, like Americans. Yeah, it's all like whoa, dude. It's a bit like I, I could. It's like Bill and Ted. Yeah, they're speaking like Bill and Ted, and I thought, why, why, why do that? And then, it, then it, but all the way through, it just keeps sort of dropping in and out all the time. It, it's sort of like it keeps... thing, yeah, it's just done for the for the battle at the end. That while you've got all the sound of gunfire and all that at the end, mm. you, you've got the old, you've got the bits, you know, <laughs> saying of them doing the hey, this is great and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Which is you feel it's just in there just to give that sort of texture to that fight, but it just oh, I just absolutely killed that. It did kill it, absolutely kill it. it. Yeah, and I had really, really enjoyed this. I mean, I'm listening to it, and I'm listening to it as, as a lost story, and thinking to myself, I don't know how they'd have filmed this. Well, that's the thing because it's quite a um, a, a globe trotting story, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it starts yeah. out in in. In London, nineteen eighty nine, uh, then it goes off to the Middle East, yeah, as as well. Then back to London again, um, and the Soviet Union is is involved, and it's basically sort of like saying the Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's without actually naming the country, um, which again was was an interesting thing. And I like the fact that um, the Doctor has sent Ace off to off to the Middle East. To, to to do her bit to to get the like the the Soviets on side, yeah, as it as it were. Um, and his bit was with um with Rain Creevy, who's now grown up. Um, it's like so many years later after the the the, the thin ice store, which is set in the sixties. Um, she's grown up and she's now a cat burglar. Yeah. Um, and it was an interesting sort of beginning to the story because you had the Doctor trapped, not trapped, but when she broke into the safe. He's he sitting was, there waiting. He was sitting there waiting for her. I mean, and I like that. And I know that's lighthearted, but that was all right because that was at the beginning. Yeah. And I think like you can get away with the, the, that the, there. The, the only thing I found peculiar about that was um, Sylvester McCoy's trapped in a safe acting. Yeah. I, did, did you notice, he, for some reason, he was doing all the lines as if he was K-9. It, it was sort of like um, he's trying to sort of get across the fact he was squashed. And it was difficult to, to... He'd been sitting there for so long and he sort of probably got a bit locked up and it was difficult to sort of extricate himself from, from inside this safe. 
But for some reason, he was talking like this a lot, Master. And it was sort of, it was really <laughs> peculiar. But, why, <laughs> but then he sort of, once he got out of that, he sort of like, he sort of, sort of settled down a little bit. If you, if you see what I mean. It was just really weird. <laughs> Perhaps he was just sitting rather uncomfortable, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, you sort of gave the high-pitched quality to the... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. No, it, it, it was... It, it was it, that was great. It was, a, it was a good little sort of set-up to the story, really. And, so, uh, and to be honest, I, most of it went along. I mean, and obviously, we hope people have listened to this before listening to us. Yeah. Um, as, as we said at the beginning, because it does sort of go along and it does sort of keep throwing you slightly off guard every time. Yes. Uh, as in to who hired her, uh, you find that out, what he, what, what, the, what the stuff was hired for. And yeah, and then, you know, just uh, how it all then links together. Mm. The fact that Ace seems to go off and doesn't actually quite know what she's there for. All she knows is she's got to arrive with a load of... Um, guns and vodka. Yeah, exactly. Which she duly does, doesn't she? Yes. So, but it's all this whole thing about the, you know, the the, the um, sort of legends of the region about these sort of demons coming down from the mountains, which are, which are the Metatraxi, yeah, basically. Which um, and again, I, I quite I, I did like that that sort of thing about these things lurking up in the mountains. You weren't quite sure what they were. And it's only when you sort of I didn't mind the fact they were insectoid aliens and they were like a, a proud warrior race. It's a bit cliched, but it, it, yeah. was, it was working up to the point they opened their bloody mouths. Yeah. Really. I mean, yeah, and, and, and the one surviving member of the ambushed Russian um, convoy or whatever, mm. you know, he, that, was, that was really well played and really good for, for just saying one thing. Yeah. Over and over again. I thought that was really good. You actually started to to worry about that character, even though that literally was all he was saying. Same, but you saw any moment now, he, he could yeah. just go mental with his gun or something, just yeah. stop shooting and, and, everybody. And the so. fact that, yeah, they give him a, when they're trapped, they give him a gun to help, you know, in, in the fact that they might have to fight their way out. And the first thing he does is try to shoot himself. Yeah, exactly. Just because that seems to be the, be- the, the more um, safer route for him. Well, as you say, very dark. Yeah. Actually. Very dark, and this then leads up to to him being killed. Oh, it does, isn't it? Character that the doctors brought in. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so was it Saif Saif Udin, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was this Olympic um, sort of sort of f- fencing champion, yeah. isn't he? Um, yeah. This is the one thing I found really, really weird because the um, many of these alien artifacts, based this sword that the doctor yeah. um, has, rain steel, um, yeah. is one of the alien artifacts. Which I think was featured in Thin Ice, wasn't it? I believe, and I think the Fabergé egg that Marcus Creevy was so interested in getting back, which the yeah. British government was hanging on to, as as well. Um, which again, there were so many different things brought into this. You had the British government, you had the the, the, the Soviets, you had the this Saifuddin guy, you had Rain Creevy, Marcus Creevy. They had their own thing going because they never really sort of gone their separate ways after her mother had died. Yeah, and everything. So. There's an awful lot of things to bring together, and I think for the most part it did work. But I think it was just now and again I just sort of found of losing the thread a little bit. I just got easily distracted with this one. It didn't sort of really hook me. I mean, I don't know much. whether it is because you'd listened to it before, so you knew what the twists were coming. <sighs> it on, could have been. I must say, it was a long so I didn't, time I didn't ago. find that. I, I did find that I was actually quite into it and was quite pleased with how it was going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, one thing I, I must. 
um, say before before I forget again, actually, um, is the fact we we mentioned about the Doctor gets this swordsman in, and it's yeah. already established earlier in, in the story um, that Rain Creevy is no mean swords, um, not swordsman, swords person herself. Yeah, actually, um, as it's, it's it, um, so at the beginning of the story, isn't it, where she yeah. where she first sort of holds the sword and disarms that uh, gangster that's trying to um, steal the artifacts off of them after they just committed the robbery. Yeah. Um, when, when it starts getting to that, you're almost thinking, oh, she's going to be, that's what he's got it for, for her. Yeah, exactly. But that's just forgotten. And yeah. the person who has the big sword fight after Sophie Dean is killed is Ace. Yeah. And the doctor, I mean, has, to, and the doctor has to coach her into out of, out of sword fight, which I think is, that, I think that was a, that was weak. That was very weak. Why did yeah. it have to be Ace doing that? Yeah, you know. Um, and yeah, I just thought that didn't make any sense. You've already you've already set up Rain as the alternative to to, to Saifuddin. Yeah, or, or Dean rather, you won't pronounce it. Um, but then then, or you could even have had the other the Russian person could have turned out to have been. Oh well, yeah, exactly. Would have, would have made more sense, more sense the fact that it was Ace. Ace. Yeah. But it's just, it almost goes to the point of, well, I, I suppose, I, yeah, well, I suppose it would have been, could have been rain because obviously then you, you also get the fact that, oh, it didn't count because it was a female and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's what, mm, that that's the bit that I, because I, I, I must admit, I'm not, I'm not actually Ace's biggest fan. I never have been, really. And it's no... Disrespect to, to uh, oh, um, Sophie Aldridge. Sophie Aldridge. No disrespect to her. I just think she was just given some really, really bad lines. And it's that whole thing about how an adult male thinks a teenage girl speaks. Yeah. You know. Um, and there's a couple of really ugly lines in this that, that she's made to deliver. Um, after she's defeated the Metatraxi, and they basically said, well, you know, we, we're not accepting that. We're not, not, we're not beaten by a woman, sort of thing. And... And she said, "Hey, ugly, pick up, pick up your sword and fight." And and the worst would come back and fight you, sexist metatraxy. Yeah. And they were just so clunky lines. Yeah. They, they really just and it just didn't really. Again, it just seemed to maybe it seemed to fit with the whole metatraxy thing because they 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 got ruined with the with the voice translator thing. But I, I made a note of those two lines and thought, oh god, they stick out like a because up to that point it had been pretty okay, and Ace had been fine. Really, up until yeah. that point. Yeah, I know what you mean. The character of Ace has never been helpful with line. Yeah, they, they've always misjudged that character in terms of what she says. Yes. Haven't they? Always. I, I, think, we had this, I think we had this with the book review when we did Battlefield, didn't we? I think so, yeah. We went over this. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, Ace has got a lot of a lot of sort of fans out there because I think really she was like the the first sort of um, kick-ass Companion of the dog, apart from yeah. Leela, but I mean, when that, that was a long time between Ace and Leela. Yes, yeah, so I think you know she she would sort of get into the thicker things and you know sort of, you know I mean, beat, beat is, up Daleks is... with a baseball bat, you know things like that. Yeah. So, and so... It's, I mean, it's not a bad story in the fact for her in the fact that you know the Doctor trusts her to go. She isn't just the screaming companion. No, and neither's, and neither's Rain Creevy either. No. She, and she, I mean, she's set up to be a companion, isn't she? She goes off with, yeah. with Ace and the, and the Doctor at the, at the end. Um, and and again, I'd like to have seen this on the telly because obviously this is this is what we would have had had Doctor Who not been cancelled um, yeah. in 1989. But as you say, I don't know how they would have done this as a television story. No, 
I really don't. I mean, I suppose I would have just got the you know the usual BBC quarry to act as as the Middle East. Yeah. Or 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 Canberra Sands or something like that. That would have probably been it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So obviously we, we we've just briefly touched on sort of performances there. What do you think of uh, Sylvester McCoy in this one? Uh, yeah. To to be honest, actually, the Doctor isn't necessarily. I mean, this is this is obviously how the the Seventh Doctor was going, wasn't it? Because he, he is in the background just manipulating everything. Machiavellian, isn't he? Yes. Really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it stays I mean, true, true to that not even the, isn't it? There's not even the getting his hands dirty with the sword, is it? No, exactly. And you'd have thought that that stage he would have been a much better than well, Ace well, to have done well, that. He's, he's very much his doctor, though, isn't it? He, he, yeah. he manipulates people into, into doing his bidding. And like, yeah. the whole thing with um, Rain Creevy, he's, he's read her diary. Yeah. So he, he knows to put himself into the... And again... You know, to put himself into the safe, um, and he he also hires her um, to, to to perform the burglary. So I, I like the fact that before Stephen Moffat, Andrew Cartmel was already thinking about playing around with the whole time That's aspect, it, yeah. which which is great. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think Sylvester McCoy, apart from the the you know the trapped in a safe acting. At the beginning, well, I say once he gets out of that, he, he, he settles into it a bit more. Um, and I did enjoy his performance. I've got to be honest, I really yeah. did. No, I mean I actually quite liked all of it actually. Yeah, I mean, I mean some some of the uh, perhaps the Russians were a bit the, over the, the Russian side. accents were very very sort of stereotypical, weren't they? There was yeah. nothing, you know. Um... But I suspect, obviously, there, there's the thing in in a audio play, you're gonna. You're probably going to over-egg that anyway because you're tr- making sure yeah. people know who's speaking. Well, do you know that's that's one of the pro- one of my problems with this. I couldn't figure out who was speaking unless they actually referred yeah. to him by name. Um, unfortunately, the actor who was doing um, Saifuddin and Valentin, um, his Middle East accent, his Russian accent, sounded almost identical. Cool. Yeah. So it's it's a, a I know it's sort of big finish you've got. I mean, this was what 2011. Uh, I suppose they were still really well known then, um, but I think I don't know. Maybe they just couldn't afford a bigger cast. I know with with, with audio stories, you do get actors doubling up as different characters. Yeah. Um, but you, if you've got to make them distinct, you've got to distinguish each voice. And I couldn't in this, to be honest. I really couldn't distinguish between the characters or well, the Russian yeah. characters anyway. Yeah, I think yeah, to a certain extent there was that. I mean, but no, I I I, I did enjoy it. I thought most of it was quite good. Yeah, no, I even liked uh, Marcus Creeviness, and I'd said in the previous one, the mm. uh, Thin Ice, that I don't think I was quite taken by that character as being a bit stereotypical. But no, I quite liked him in this, probably because it had less to do. I, and... Do you know? I I didn't mind Ricky Groves in Thin Ice. I thought he was really rather good. Um, and I actually had forgotten how what a reduced role he did have in this story. Yeah, he's really more to Rain's story rather than yeah. you know, rather than his. Um, but I, I thought when he, what he did, he, he did really he did really well. Actually, I was, I was sort of you know, I, I didn't really know Ricky Groves from EastEnders, and I've never seen him do anything else really. So I, I was sort of really pleasantly surprised to see him pop up in this and, and doing something a bit different, Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, and I think it was quite a bit, slightly more understated. There wasn't, you know, it was the down-on-his-luck sort of uh, character, which was quite good, I think, from this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and like the sort of like the, the fact that it's sort of Ace or is dispatched to to, con- to contact him to yeah. get passage out to the Middle East. So he he still got the he still got the connections as it were. He's underworld connections. Yeah, and, and why the doctor's stealing one of the reasons why the doctor's stealing stuff is to also give it back to him stuff that he had obviously sold. Yeah, when he lost all his money. Yeah, so he needed him solvent to be able to. And this is where the crime of the century comes into it because yeah. it's all to do with sort of like the, the stock market crash. Yeah. Um, and you actually find that it's actually Colonel Felnikov who's actually all sort of orchestrated that. Yeah. Um, before he was put back into the regular army again. So the reason why he was put back into the regular he army. He was, yeah, because it also because his his um superiors Superiors. had investments abroad. Yes. So they lost as well. They lost lots in of the money. Decadent West. Yes. <laughs> Oh, dear. unfortunately, it appears we're heading back to those days again, doesn't it? At the moment, yeah. yeah. Oh dear, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's good. What do you think of the um, sort of the soundscape for this one? Yeah, and I thought it was quite good. I mean, I quite like. I mean, stuff stuff around when they was <clears throat> attacked by that the... was really well done. I found. Yeah, it did sound like a big battle going on, didn't it? it going it... on in the background, and then even then, when they was in the tent and you could hear it moving at the insects moving around outside and yeah all that i thought was really really well done it was yeah i really like i like the music in this as well actually um I, I, i'd sort of read somewhere they didn't think it was very sort of seventh doctor type music it wasn't very kef mcculloch but is that is that's no bad thing really if you ask me <laughs> well, you liked it yeah <laughs> But so no, I'd, I'd like to. I'd, I'd, I did like the, the you know the the soundtrack. So yeah. I, thought, I just thought it re, it worked really well, and it, it punctuated each moving to you know, scene transitions. Yeah, as well. So I, I, you know, it was it was good. It, it just now and again, it just sort of it just didn't quite hold my attention. I think that's really when the metatraxy came into it. Yeah, yeah. I just think it just yeah. it just broke the the whole atmosphere of the of the story. I it think. did. It did. So, but at the end of that, would would you recommend this to to everybody? Yes, I would actually. I'm, I'm probably more keen now to go on and listen to the next one in the series. Yes, I perhaps uh, was to listen to this after Thin Ice. Oh right, okay, okay. No, because I, so, I really enjoyed Thin Ice anyway. So yeah. um, this one less so, but right. Uh, no, I, I would still recommend it though. It, yeah. I mean, it is a good, it is a good story. Um, it's made me sort of like the the alien menace in this one lets it down, yeah. Somewhat, there's sort of no. Well, I don't even think. Yeah, I don't think it's that. I just, I just think it's the, it's the trying to inject humour into it lets it down. Yeah, the characterisation of of the I'd, yeah. I'd say would lets it down somewhat. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. All, all in all, it's it's not. I don't find you you like you really like it. I just think it's not a bad story at all. It really yeah. isn't a bad story. So. So go and listen. I hope I haven't spotted too much for you. That, that's all. Yeah. Well, I hope you listen to it before, and you, you'll just before. listen to see, find out what we think. Yes, and whether whether you agreed with us or not. Yes, indeed, indeed. So um, that's that. That is that. So when um, Paul and I next return, um, we're back to doing Target again, aren't we? Yes. And um, as we previously mentioned, we're doing it as a as a tribute to Robert Banks Stewart. And we're doing the target novelisation, which the novelisation of Terror of the Zygons is actually called Doctor Who and the Loch Ness Monster. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, to covering that one. 
Okay. Um, <clears throat> now, also next month is um, our anniversary. It's the podcast anniversary. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> we've been going for five years. Yes. As, as the, the, our very first episode was released. <laughs> but we kept coming back. We kept coming back for more. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, sorry about that, everyone. We're still here. Yeah, so um, yeah, so our very first episode was released on the 18th um, of March, 2011. My God. So, um, yeah, so hope, we're hoping to do something uh, for, to, to celebrate that. <clears throat> Excuse me, to celebrate that, uh, which we will um, sort of reveal nearer to the time. Yes. I think, actually. So um, there there we go. There we go. Okay, then. So that's what's sort of coming up um, sort of fairly sort of soon and over the next next couple of weeks. So I think it's a good time to, to, to leave it there, isn't yeah. it? That's, I think it is, yeah. I think it is, indeed, indeed. Glad, glad we agree. So um, until next time, then, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance.